Hello, welcome to a Veterans Drink of Vodka production of Article 15. Here at Article 15, we're attempting to bring both awareness and an end to 22 veterans committing suicide every day. We speak to everyday veterans with everyday issues for veterans acclimating back into civilian life. Today, we have Doc Steve McAllister, HM3, who served from 1999 to 2009. He's been deployed to Iraq three times and Afghanistan twice. Hello, Doc. Welcome to Article 15. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Uh, it's a pleasure, brother. We've been talking every Sunday night for the most part. <laughs> I know. For those who don't know or might not follow Veterans Drinking Vodka, which is another podcast that is our sister station. Kind of cool to be able to say that. They host every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time a Zoom meeting in which a group of veterans that they have interviewed uh, as well as myself and veterans that I've interviewed uh, to get together on a Zoom meeting across the United States, kind of BS. And that's how I got to meet Doc here. So, Doc, what made you join the military? I come from a from a history of military personnel in my family. We have had a family member in every major war since the War of 1812. So you're like a regular Lieutenant Dan. Pretty much. My dad was in the Navy. During, he's a Vietnam era vet. Oh, yeah. Then I have uncles that were Vietnam. And then I have great uncles that were World War II and Korea. Wow. So, so I come from I come from a history of military people and my family. Well, God bless you and your family, man. I appreciate your guys' sacrifice. I really do. I love the shirt you're rocking there, my man. The DD-214. I noticed that color is red, my friend. Oh, yeah. You got to wear red on Friday. Red on Friday, remembering everyone deployed. I got mine on too. Always yep. got to wear my red on Friday. We said, you know, as I, as I'm introducing you, three times to Iraq and two times to Afghanistan. I mean, in a ten year span, you got more time overseas than you do stateside. You want to elaborate on some of these deployments? Well, like you said, like Ryan said, I was in the Navy. You cannot ask me. And I cannot tell you with a sh any ounce of knowledge what Navy life is like. Out of my 10 years, nine and a half of it, I served with the Marine Corps as a fleet Marine Force corpsman. That, all, that started in 2000. And I did 99, did boot camp in Chicago, did core school in Chicago. Then in 2000, they sent me to Camp Geiger in Jacksonville, North Carolina, which is attached to Camp Lejeune. There, I went to field medical service school to become a fleet Marine force corpsman. After when I graduated that, I got assigned to second Marine division, got assigned to third battalion, six Marines. And for a lot of the people that don't know, there are two battalions in the whole Marine Corps that wear a, what's called the French Fortige. It is a device that we wear on our uniform. It is a, what, could, could be considered a rope. There are two units, which is six Marines and fifth Marines, six Marines being on the East Coast and fifth Marines being on the West Coast. They fought to the death with the French at the Battle of Bella Wood. Gotcha. That French Fortigé is a French award. And 
in all branches of the military, especially with the Marine Corps and then the Fleet Marine Force Corpsman, when you do two consecutive tours with either six Marines or fifth Marines, you get to wear the French Fortige no matter what command you go to. Gotcha. So basically, if I was to put my uniform on right now, I can wear the French Fortige still. That's pretty cool. I, I always love when you see different devices from different branches on, on a uniform. You know, like some of the Army guys, they'll have like an ESWAS or their wings or something like that from being in the Navy, and they switched over. I always like seeing that. Yeah. As corpsmen, we have a choice. We can either stay wearing our Navy uniforms and everything like that, or we can go to what's called Marine Corps regs, mm -hmm. which means we do everything that a Marine does. We yeah. wear every uniform a Marine does except for their dress blues. I went Marine Corps regs. So I wore, when they wear their all green uniform with the tie and the cover and everything like that, I wore that. It was just another way to, to get the respect of the Marines from the corpsman. I had to do the normal PRT from the Navy, and then I had to do the PFT for the Marine Corps. Ooh, yeah, and I had to pass. And I was Marine Corps regs up until my last year. My I last year, I kind of said, you know what? I'm getting ready to get out. I'm letting myself go. And here we are today, still fulfilling that dream. <laughs> yes. Well, well, I mean, okay. So you're doing these. I mean, I, I, I respect that. I do. Cause you know, you're going into something that you're, you're blue sided as we, we put it in the Navy. You know, you got your blue side doc and your green side doc. You were a green doc, you were a field doc and you're going to, you're training not just to give out IP, ibuprofen, you know, like our like our blue side, but you're going to be in the shit, man. You're going to be out there. You're going to be humping packs and stuff like that. You're going to be running, building the building. I mean, you said you were at Fallujah, right? Yes. How was that then as, as, a, as a corpsman? What was that like dealing with the Marines and everything in Fallujah? Well, as you know, Ryan, and probably a lot of the viewers that are veterans kind of have an idea. There's the brotherhood that you have. Yeah. Uh, there is a bigger brotherhood between a doc and the Marines. I've heard that. I, I've definitely heard that part. And there, there's two as a as an FMF corpsman. There are two types of FMF corpsman. You have your FMF corpsman and then you have your docs. If you are a POS, you are a corpsman. They will call you HM3 or HM2 or Corman or something like that. Yeah. But if you have their respect and everything like that, they call you Doc. And that's kind of how I got my name. I've been called Doc since I got with the Marines. And a lot of my friends around here in South Carolina, they still call me Doc because they're friends with a lot of Marines and the Marines who know me. And everything like that. And they say, well, that's Doc. That's not Steven. In Fallujah, it was rough as a corpsman because not only are we a target, because if the Marines don't have their medical, they're doomed. Yeah. So I'm dodging sniper rounds. I'm dodging this. I'm dodging that to run around and take care of these guys popping in and out. And I was not like any other of the your typical corpsman, 
it was nothing for me to be the point man going into a building because I was trained. I didn't do like a lot of the corpsmen do and only do the necessary stuff. I went above and beyond. I wanted to know my platoon. I wanted to know what everybody did in my platoon from the point man to the sniper to everything. I gotcha. So I would kick down doors along with them. I would go in with them. And it was August 27th of 05. My second trip to Fallujah is when I was working on a guy that got hit by a sniper. And of course, a lot of, uh, for the people that, that don't know is the veterans. We always use the slogan Iggy six, which is I've got your six. I've got Mm -hmm. your back as a corpsman. I felt that more than anything with my Marines yeah, because I was literally my back turned towards the fight and my best friend that I went to high school with, he joined the Marine Corps. I joined the Navy. We had it in our contracts that if he was to die, I'm the one to tell his mom that he died in combat. And I you guys can do that. That's pretty. I mean, it's not it's it's morbid, but morbidly. Cool. I mean, well, it's, it's a beautiful thing, man. Not many people can do it, but somehow we worked the system to where it was in our contracts. And unfortunately, I had to fulfill that duty. So I know with your Article 15 with this podcast, you concentrate on the PTSD side of us veterans and military members. A lot of my PTSD comes with survivor guilt. I got you. Because that day he stepped in front of a sniper round. To save my life. That is one of the main reasons why I am here able to tell my story. What's his name? So his name was Kelly Neesmith. He took a sniper around and it nicked his carotid artery. I did everything I could to save his life and do everything that I could to preserve his legacy. And every August 27th, I go to his mom because his mom still lives here in Florence. And I go to his mom. And I tell her, I'm sorry. And she told me that I need to stop apologizing for his death because she flat out told me. And she is a very large black woman, Mm -hmm. which right then that scares me to begin with because she's the old style that you misbehave. She's going to hit you no matter what. Yes, sir. Whether you're her kid or not, she's going to put you in line. And she told me, she goes, she's a very religious lady. And she told me that he was put on this planet for one thing. And that was to save your life. And he fulfilled his duty. You need to stop feeling bad. And I told her, I said, I can't. I said, because I joined the Navy. I joined the medical field to save lives. And I couldn't save my best friend. And she flat out told me, she said, you got to stop. She goes, the only way you're going to get better is to stop blaming yourself. It is not your fault. And I think that has a lot to do with a lot of us veterans, especially the Vietnam era veterans, is they have that survivor's guilt. They have that 
shell shock of really not being welcomed home. That bring true. You know, a lot of uh, Vietnam veterans, man, I, I I know that I got them in my neighborhood. Grew up on the south side of Chicago, little neighborhood called Canaryville. The only way that I can explain Canaryville to everybody is if you took like a slice of Alabama and dropped it on the south side of Chicago. It's the only way that I can explain <laughs> this place. It is so hillbilly. It, because of uh, the Chicago stockyards that I grew up by, they had ranchers there and, and you know, ranch hands and stuff like that. And they had cattle and they, it was all right there up against my neighborhood. So a lot of these guys still stuck around until they moved the uh, the stockyards from Chicago to Joliet. And uh, a lot of the guys still stuck around. So you had your you had your hillbilly boys that, that kind of still stayed around. So um, that that's pretty much the best way to put it. So. I still know, and a, a lot of them are my parents' friends, really good people. Sergeant McMullen, Potter and them, Willie Schmutz. These, these are all guys that I grew up. It's it's hard to believe that these guys came back to, to nothing, to absolutely nothing. They were treated so badly. And I love these guys because without them, if they would have never have fought the way that they fought, through the 70s, through the 80s, through the 90s for veterans, we would not be where we're at today with all the benefits that we get. Yeah, the VA is shit, you know, and there's yeah. no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I mean, it's it's a case-by-case basis. I hear great things about Chad Nuga. I've heard some good things uh, on my last podcast uh, the other night. There's one on the west side of Illinois that's apparently a good one. You know, I, I always, whenever I hear that a VA is good, I try and tell everybody that I know, like, this is where, this is a good VA. They're going to take care of you. Make sure you go see this VA. We would not have the the amazing benefits as veterans that we have today without these guys fighting tooth and nail for, for because of how they were treated when they got back. You have these Iraq, Afghan veterans that are coming back and they're treated not, you know, as heroes or anything like that, but they're not treated anywhere near what these Vietnam vets were treated like when they got home, the protests against them and the, the disres the blatant disrespect. And, and it was un I, the stories I heard are horror stories and it's terrible and nobody should ever have to deal with that type of shit. So I always say my veterans, they're my heroes, all the and, veterans. And it, it goes, you're a veteran. I'm a veteran. And everybody looks at me and they go, this is my take on a hero. Some people agree with me. Some people don't. To me, my heroes are the ones that didn't make it back, that gave that ultimate sacrifice for us to be able to get back. Like, for instance, my friend Kelly, he's yeah. my hero because without him, I wouldn't be here to be able to tell my story. Yeah. Uh, so you look at a lot of superheroes. We don't wear capes. No, but it's, uh, it, it's but rough, man, to think about that. The whole Fallujah thing, I was part of the initial push into Fallujah, into the industrial area. Gotcha. I was 3-6, but got attached to 2-1 uh -huh. out of Pendleton because they got known, 2-1 got known as the Purple Heart Company. If you've ever seen Band of Brothers, yep. the replacements, they had more replacements than anybody else in Iraq because they had to, they came on the north side of the industrial area of Fallujah, which was the most populated insurgent area of Fallujah. Yeah. 
I got attached to them when I was in Fallujah. Home V got blown up. I got shot. And like how you said at the beginning, I did 10 years and only made H and three. I was up for two field promotions that I wasn't a kiss ass to my chief that was in charge. And I, I didn't kiss his ass. So he turned down the field promotions. He didn't give me his signature on them. So I never got field promotions. So if I would have got those field promotions, you would probably be talking to a retired hospital corpsman because I loved every minute of being with the Marines. Yeah. That's one of the things, man, you know, we get out and, and it's not, not so much the, 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 uh, the military people are always like, man, I miss the military. Like I don't, I get to go still do that once a weekend. Fuck them dudes. I miss the people. I miss, yeah. I miss my brothers and my sisters, man, over there. So you got out in 09. And what what did you find to be one of your biggest challenges as you were getting out or while you, you've been out? One of the biggest challenges was until last year was trying to get my disability from the military. Really? To get everything like that. They kept saying, well, one of the big things is, is my medical record was in Kansas City when it caught on fire. Okay. So my medical record, luckily there was digital copies of my medical record and I had copies of my medical record. But up until last year, I fought and fought and fought to get my disability. Then I came across, I was on Facebook. I don't like Facebook anymore because it's getting too hotty gotty on censorship and everything like yeah. that. But I found an organization. They're out of Ridgecrest, California. They are called Veterans Disability Help. My dad is a Vietnam era vet. He got out in the 70s, in the early 70s. And he's been at 0% up until last year. Really? Last year, he went through vet this uh, Veterans Disability Help. My dad now is a 90% disabled. Wow. Did they back? Did he wind up getting like a back pay or anything like you that? Got, you got what they do is they back pay you from the time that you put in your application. The first day you talk to him. Okay. So he talked to him in, he talked to him in like November of 18, I think. And uh -huh. he found out last year that he was getting it. So they backdated two years. My dad got like $13,000. I just got cleared through Veterans Disability Help with 50% just for my PTSD. I'm still going through all the tests for all the medical side. Yeah. Of, but I got 50% of that. And they back paid me like almost $11,000. Nice. And what they do for a fee, you have three options. You can pay them monthly. You can pay them a lump sum, or you can pay them the lump sum that comes from your, your back pay. Gotcha. And what I tell people when, when they go, well, monthly would be good. I would like to have that full check. I was like, here's the thing. Monthly, you're expecting that money. That lump sum back pay, you're not expecting it. Uh -huh. So if, if they say, 
oh, it's only going to charge you six. They're going to charge you six thousand dollars, and you're getting thirteen. You're not expecting that full thirteen from the get go. Yeah, but they so, they are a awesome, awesome, awesome organization. Gotcha. Have you received any other benefits besides pay from the VA? Have you done like any medical treatment or any uh, mental health or anything like that? I've gone to mental health. Uh, uh, I go. I go to mental health. Before before the whole COVID started, I would go talk to a social worker here at the the VA clinic here in my hometown. I would go talk to him every month, and sometimes it was every other week. And I am big on the people I talk to. If they tell me, "Oh, I know how you feel," no, the hell you don't. You can be in the same vehicle with me, get blown up at the same time. And you're going to feel something totally different than I will. Yeah. So I have a big problem with talking to people and they say, oh, I know how you feel. This guy, before I even started spilling my guts to him, he goes, I will tell you this. No matter what you say, even if I've been through the exact same thing, I don't know how you feel. I won't Mm. know how you feel until you tell me. So I make it a point to talk to this guy and this guy alone with my mental health. I do have his phone number. I have talked to him on the phone. That's good. Because, well, you follow me on TikTok and you know some of the stuff that I do on TikTok and we've said it before. Yeah, you always got them goofy flop ears on your head and the the American flag ones. It's sitting, hold on. It's sitting (laughs) right here. I've got the floppy ears, but... There's a friend of mine. He's a Marine. He's up in Columbia, South Carolina. And he come up with a hashtag for TikTok. Never go upstairs alone. Yeah, that's Moxie. Yes, Moxie. Yeah, I know Moxie, man. And I've stuck with that. If I feel myself going upstairs alone, I reach out. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. There's there's numerous, there's numerous people. And if if you're listening to this and you're on TikTok, and you need people to talk to, I can tell you right now, you can reach out to me. You can reach out to Ryan. Hell, mm-hmm. me and Ryan were friends when he wasn't even broken arrow. Yeah. You you actually came to me and said, hey, I'm thinking about changing my name to this. What do you think? Remember that? And the, the, yeah, I remember that because that was your movement at the time of mental health and what yeah. better way because – for the people that don't know what Broken Arrow is, is legit fire on me. We're overrun. Yep. You call for Broken Arrow. When we come, we help, we, we send support. Help. That's it, man. That's what it's you about. Dude. I still stand firm with that, man. Uh, you know, there's been so many. And that's why I push a lot of these um, these non-for-profit organizations that started by, you know, uh, what's his name? Ah, shit, now I forgot his damn name. Uh, Eddie. My man Eddie down in uh, Georgia with Tackle Twenty Two. You know he's he's a goof, man. He'll he'll have you rolling. You know wood. He does the uh, custom wood furniture. One thirty five. 
he's yeah. he's fantastic. I, I I talked with him, man. He's good. He's another one who cracks me up. Veteran or not, veterans drink of vodka. Veterans drink of vodka. They are a wonderful organization. Oh. They are great bosses, great producers. I greatly appreciate Amanda and Amber. You guys are wonderful. And what's his name with the Battle Buddy Response Team? I don't know if you follow him yeah. yet. Yeah, but man, him. he's he's been amazing. Uh, I think his name's Sam. I, I I don't really get to talk to him very often. The dude is always on the road, always going from house to house, helping veterans out, rebuilding floors and and porches and roofs. And he went out to California. He sat outside a veteran's house who was down. It just you know bad downward spirals, man. And I, I talk with guys all the time, veterans, like there's no community like the veteran community looking out for each other and making exactly. sure each other's okay. Because we know that that haunting number of 22, that, that number just haunts us and sits with us. And if you see that number, it's just like, fuck that. I mean, it could just be a random, just number 22 out there. And it's just like, damn it, man. That's, that that sits in me and it and it festers, man. But that's why I love these organizations that are getting back to to the veterans, helping each other out. Like this one right here, you know, the podcast and everything. The Article Fifteen. This is my own therapy. This is this is something that helps me out because I know that I'm doing something to help other veterans out. To be able to get your guys' story out, my big project is to get your guys' stories out to these other guys who do not want to really talk about it. And that's understandable. I respect that. You don't want to talk about it with us. Th that's fine. I'm a complete stranger. You don't know me from Adam, but man, the, the power that it does to be able to talk to somebody to help you out. You know, I've had guys who were contractors in, in Iraq and Afghanistan. I had a gunnery sergeant from battle Fallujah. I've had air force army Intel counter Intel. We have Marines that are saying, yes, Go get your help. Do what you need to do. And that is the most important part. You need to look out for yourself because if you're not 100%, you can't help other people. And that's the biggest thing. We went into the military. No, <laughs> we joined for the money. <laughs> we joined for the adventure. Yes, right. They told me that I was going to see the we, world. <laughs> and all you saw was ocean. Nah, yeah, I saw, I saw Iraq, I saw, but I seen Fiji and Australia too, and Thailand. So I, I got to be on the the good I saw, side. Of I saw to turn twenty one in La Maddalena, Italy. That's got to be nice. I don't remember what happened that night. Nor should you. Nor should uh, you, all, sir. All I, all I remember is being duct taped to the freaking mouth. <laughs> you were with the Marines, weren't you? Yes, I was. Amber and Amanda here. We want to tell you about our good friends over at Scale Executive Search. Scale Executive Search is a veteran-owned and operated executive search firm serving aerospace, tech, and startups. They've managed to set themselves apart by not only understanding the job market, but also ensuring their candidates and clients are invested in not only their careers, but also themselves and their families. But that's that's the big thing, man, that we're supposed to you have that stigma that surrounds the, the military, the stigma that surrounds the veterans that you're not supposed to talk about it. You're, you see these things in the movies. I'm going to tell you right now, and I just watched this recently. Thank you for your service. The military, the movie. Thank you for your service. If you have a chance to watch it, please do. They the, it is it, not extremely perfect, but man, it's right there. It is. 
unbelievably close to exactly. They have like three different veterans, three different veterans that get out about the same time from the army and they have three different paths that they choose. And oh, it's a heartbreaking movie, but it is a good movie. But so, so doc, what, what would you say, you know, you've, you've been out now for over a decade and you've done some work and you've got some accomplishments. What would you say has been your greatest accomplishment since you've been out of the military? Since I've been out of the military, I did like just about like most veterans do odd and in jobs, bouncing around this job, that job. I work anywhere from the oil field to the hospitals to -hmm. anything like that. When I came, when I left Texas and I came back home to South Carolina, my dad had a a hobby of doing woodwork, of doing actual scroll saw work. And I picked that up with him. And when my mom got really, really sick, I stopped working at the hospital that I was working at to take Mm -hmm. care of her full time because she needed 24 seven care and Medicare and Medicaid would only pay for eight hours, five days a week. And my mom needed 24 seven. So I talked to my dad and said, Hey, why don't we turn this hobby into a business? So now I'm 41 years old. I own my own business. Nice. So I take that as a big accomplishment that, yeah, it took me a little while, but I now own my own business and everything. But honestly, my biggest accomplishment in my eyes right now is what I started last year. And what was that? Last year, last year, I started a softball. I did a softball tournament to raise money for mission 22. Oh yeah. Can you uh, explain mission 22 to us a little bit? Mission 22 is a organization to help fight the 22 a day. Like Ryan has said, us mm-hmm. veterans, we look at that number 22. It doesn't matter if you're looking at a, at your phone and your battery says 20, that you only got 22% or it's 122 in the afternoon or something like that. When we see that 22, it automatically goes to us that there are 22 veterans, an average of 22 veterans a day that commit suicide. It's haunting. So Mission 22 is an organization, a nonprofit organization that takes their donations and everything like that to help a veteran, a veteran's medical bills, their, to get them seen for their PTSD, their mental, anything that a veteran needs, that this organization helps them as much as they can. Last year, I raised over $1,300 for this That's organization. Awesome, brother. This year, I'm doing the tournament in June, it's actually June 3rd, 4th, and 5th now because I've got an influx of softball teams that want to play. That's great, man. Congratulations. And, and right now, two big things have happened with this. I am now an official Mission 22 event, which means oh, awesome. I, am on, I am on Mission 22's calendar as Fantastic. an event on TikTok if you don't follow her. She's a Mission 22 ambassador, and her screen name there is She is Jeeper. It's she underscore is underscore Jeeper. Drives around in the Jeep, 
with the Jeep. mission. Gotcha. J E E P E R. Yes. She is the Georgia leader for the, for mission 22 ambassadors. That's fantastic. Daca. That I'm proud she, of you, brother. She is actually coming in June. That's awesome. To be, man. To be the ambassador. And that right there made it an official mission 22 event. Cool. Well, the other thing that is, I'm not even at my deadline for sponsors and I am at $2,500 in sponsorship. Well, that's awesome. You've already come, you're coming up. I'm pretty much doubling your money from last year. That's fantastic. That's going to be great for you guys. Um, I did hear from a little birdie that told me that a friend of mine is uh, sponsoring in this. Uh, Alex yes. Thompson? Um, a gentleman that Ryan introduced me to through the Sunday Zoom meetings with Veterans Drinking Vodka, Alex Thompson, who is a Maybe veteran and author uh, of I'll Go. Another yes. <laughs> he, and here's where it's really going to put a, a, a knife in your back there, Ryan. Um, <laughs> I have different levels of sponsorship. And my highest level of sponsorship, they get a booth at the tournament. And Shut he up. is actually doing the high-level sponsorship and will have a booth. Oh, wow. Which means he's coming. <laughs> he would. Because you know what he does, man? He goes. That's what the name of the damn book is. I'll go. He just does stuff, man. He does. No but, rhyme or reason. He just goes. But here, here, and this will this will tell you about for the people that are listening how the veteran community sticks together. All right, Ryan brought him in to our Sunday Zoom meeting. He was there. We got talking about the softball tournament and everything like that. And he sent me a message through Zoom and said, "Are you still looking for sponsors?" And I said, yes. Next thing I know, he gives me his phone number. We text back and forth and he says a check will be in the mail. I did not know what sponsorship level he was picking until the check showed up at my door. And there is a check for $250. He's, I'll tell you, man, if, if anybody is a giving person, that, that Alex never, is one of them. Man. Never met him. Never talked to him until that night. And that's just how the veteran community is going. Just like yeah. veterans drinking vodka. I brought up the tournament in one of our Sunday meetings. And immediately, Amanda and Amber said, we'll put a team in and we'll sponsor. That's awesome. So at, if you're listening to this and you're a veteran, reach out to Ryan. Reach out to me. Reach out to Amanda Frost or, or Amber. The Veterans um, Drinking Vodka. Yeah, the Veterans Drinking Vodka team. And we'll bring you into the fold. Yeah, we are legit. It's available every legit. Sunday night. Because Ryan knows I've had a very, very hard time the last week. Yeah. He's seen some of he's seen some of the, the TikTok videos that I've put on. Yeah, man. There's been some crappy shit that's been out there, man. And it, it, it's been some bad stuff, dude. And Ryan has reached out to me in there and a lot of the veterans drinking vodka. I, if I'm not on, on a Sunday, they ask me what is wrong. Yeah. We go looking for you, man. 
They go yeah. looking for people. If they if they don't see that, that that's one. It's a buddy check, you know. It's one of them things we check in on each other weekly, and it, it's nothing great or crazy or anything. Well, I mean, there was that one weekend, dude. We were out there until about one two in the morning. <laughs> but if you're going to join, uh, join, just just know that 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 nothing is on the table. It's just a good time to be able to BS and talk and have fun. And, and you learn a little bit. You talk a little bit. Everybody gets to kind of bring up their week and, you know, jokes are said and it, you know, music play. It's it's just pretty much like a good social it's online social event. It's the only thing we could really do. And it's not because we're social distancing. It's because we are literally distanced from each other throughout <laughs> the United over. States. I mean, Amber's in Texas. You're in the Carolinas. God knows where Chris is most of the time. Apparently, he's here somewhere in Illinois right now. I'm in the Chicagoland area. Amanda's in Arizona again. At one time, she was in Texas. And just so that we can, and uh, whatchamacallit, she's in like LA or something like that. Pete is in LA. And if you're listening to this and you are not a veteran and you, but you support the veterans and the, and, and everything like that, you are more than welcome to join our Zoom. We have civilians in our Zoom. We got the one with um, Sandra. Sandra, the spicy one. <laughs> yeah, the spicy one. And come to find out, I don't know if you were in that Zoom meeting, Ryan, but yeah, there's some controversy going on in her town and she's getting ready to be the mayor. I think I remember hearing about that because uh, she's like the, the assistant mayor or something like that right yeah. now. And something's going on. She's about. We're about to be doing Zoom meetings with the mayor of, of of San Diego. It's a small town outside of San Diego. I think. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because <laughs> that would be great. Like the like, next time I go out there on orders, I'm going to be taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> but like like Ryan said in the opening and everything like that, and we've said throughout throughout this, please, please, please. God, please reach out. Yeah, I'd rather you reach out and suck up your pride and reach out to us than us to get that message that another veteran or military personnel has committed suicide. Yeah, yeah. So, Doc, you know, um, we we and I talked about this just last night with some people. We have veterans that are coming back from deployment young airmen marines sailors and uh, soldiers and puddle pirates that are coming back from deployments now that weren't even born when 9-11 happened if you could say something to veterans or you know military personnel getting out uh to help them acclimate better you know what what kind of what kind of advice would you give the biggest thing like and i can't preach it enough is there there's another TikToker. I said it in my Veterans Drinking Vodka podcast. There's another TikToker. He's a Marine. He's a speaker. He goes around and speaks to all different branches of the military. On TikTok, he's known as AJ Impacts. I think his, I know him. His real name is Andrew. He has a saying, and it's something that has stuck in my head and will stick in my head until the day I die is we were trained. It's our training. Yes. yes. Pick, up, pick up the phone and call somebody. If that person doesn't answer, call the next one. Call the next, call one. The next, call the next one. one. 
until you, you read somebody that says, hold your position. Hold your position. I'm, I'm on, on my way. way. And a little yes. bit why a little bit why that sticks in my head more because that's not the first time that I've heard it. A little bit about me, and I don't think you even know mm-hmm. this, Ryan. You've seen some of the videos. This June will be 15 years for me since yeah. I tried to commit suicide. I that's, was yeah. almost a statistic of mission 22. Something told me to pick up the phone and call my battle buddy who lived. He lived probably, I'd say, 15, 20 miles away from me. I was in Corpus Christi, Texas at the time. And I was on the floor of my bathroom with a fifth of whiskey and a loaded and cocked shotgun. Door was locked. My ex-wife was trying to get in, and she couldn't. And something told me to pick up the phone and make a call. I called him. And his exact words to me were, brother, hold your position. I'm on my way. I held my position. And within, he lived 20 miles away. And within 15 minutes, he was breaking down my door. He was about 320 pounds of pure muscle. That's a big dude. And he literally punched the door, didn't punch through the door, but broke the door frame yeah. of the door. He handed my wife at the time, handed her the shotgun, uncocked it and everything like that, handed her the shotgun and said, I've got it from here. So, not, and come to find out when he got out of the service, he became a Mission 22 ambassador. That's pretty awesome, man. So, that is why I am so adamant about Mission 22. Is because I am a Mission 22 survivor. And the world is better with you in it, brother. And like like you said, when you brought up a lot of y'all, y'all were not in during not when 9-11 happened. Some of y'all, some, some weren't born. Some were still in grade school when 9-11 happened. I remember to the T what I was doing when 9-11 happened. Yeah, me too, man. I was in my room packing my sea bag because I was going getting ready to go on a routine Mediterranean float (laughs) as a part of 26 mute. My dad come back, come back to my room and said, Hey, you might need to come see this. As I walk into my living room, I am watching the second plane go into the tower. Yeah. Not even two minutes later. My first class was calling me saying, hey, where are you? I said, I'm getting ready to get on a bus to head back up to Lejeune. And he said, okay, we're being recalled. For for the people that are listening that are Navy, you know that when you go on deployment, you do what's called gator squares. You don't go in a straight line to somewhere because if you go in a straight line to somewhere, that's a declaration of war. We left September 14th. From Moorhead City, North Carolina. I was a part of the USS Baton Battle Group. I was aboard the USS Shreveport. We left Moorhead City and went in a straight line to Rota, Spain. Left Rota, Spain, went in a straight line to the Suez Canal. Christmas Day, I was digging a fighting hole at Kandahar International Airport in Kandahar, Afghanistan. 
Yeah. We were technically the first boots on the ground in Afghanistan that was actually written down. If you watch the movie 12 Strong with Chris Hemsworth. I remember that one. Yeah, I think I've seen that one. They do the horseback ride. The ho- they were co- considered the horse soldiers. They are technically the first military boots on the ground in Afghanistan, but they were working with the CIA. So it was six, six or seven years after that happened that there was even any documentation that they were even there. Yeah. I do know I have, I had a piece of the world trade center that was given to our unit to bury over there. So that a piece of New York would be with us the entire time that we were there. I remember that day. I'll remember that day to the, to the day I die. Yeah. Um, because now people are reading about it in the history books and everything like that. And I understand that, but it's something that does not need to be forgotten. But do I want another nine twelve? Yes. You know, it, people talk about that, that nine twelve that, that day afterwards. And I know I've been talking about that long, long, <laughs> way long before TikTok started way long before any of this other crap started, man. You know, I, I remember those days, the flags were all out. I remember I remember I was at work the day 9-11 happened. I remember I was working with the tree gang for the Chicago Park District. We were at Jackson Park. It was me and a bunch of other. I was I was 18 years old. I had just finished high school. It was the year after my senior year. So I, I was supposed to be a freshman in college, but I was not your average student. And I remember we all got called back. A little old man told us uh, his name was Bruno, you know, God rest his soul. He was a Navy sailor back in the day. He passed not too long ago. Actually, it was probably a lot longer ago. Now that I think about it, blink of an eye, shit, time passes. But I remember we all got called back to head our headquarters, which was at 39th and Lakeshore drive in Chicago. And we were all gathered. It was me, I was the youngest guy there. There were the next guy that was closest to my age. He was probably about 36 years old. And these grown men and I were standing in this room and we were watching the news and we watched that second plane fly right into the world trade center. And I watched these men, grown men crying, leaving, ready to go sign up and do what they had to do. Some of them did go in. Some of them were definitely too old. But at that point, they were taking everybody and anybody and everybody was getting waivers to go in. And they were taking everyone. The people who joke about this now, the one like you're talking about, and I watched your video, and I'm trying not to to get into that that bullshit. I I don't want to be trolled into this trash that they want to laugh and make a joke about it whatever they said that oh well we made jo- we make jokes about uh japan getting getting bombed japan bombed us japan took a big shit on pearl harbor if they had never done that we would have never have gone over to japan it wouldn't have happened if you know uh what was the other one they said there was another joke we made a joke about oh uh bombing iraq or whatever or wherever the hell else we were. If if this shit wouldn't have went down, no, we wouldn't have been bombing places. But 
you you want to come over here, fly planes into a World Trade Center, which is filled with civilian people, civilians, hundreds and hundreds of people who died that day, people who are still dying today because of the, 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 the cancer, the, the dust, the shit that they went through, people who committed suicide, jumping out of those fucking windows. The, the joke kid, about it now. The video he's talking about is a British kid. I think he was Scottish. Or Scottish. He was from somewhere over there. He had a picture of the World Trade Center, the both buildings, and said when a guy is walking by the, the center on September 11th, what he, what he sees and what he hears, and the song playing in the background is It's Raining Men. And he starts ducking and everything. Like Ryan said, I try, and Ryan knows, I try not to do stuff like that, clap back, as they say, on people. But that right there drew a line with me. Yeah. It drew a line with a lot of veterans. And on another note, it drew a line so much with veterans that the kid is now being brought up at his university to be expelled. He had to take the video down, too. Yeah, he had to take the video down. He had to. Because he also he also did another video where people were oh, where he's like I'm he he used um, I don't apologize to nobody. Oh, what was it? Uh, what's his name? The uh, the fighter, the the UFC fighter, the uh, kid uh, from Conor Ireland, Connor McGregor. He's like I just want to say that I apologize for nobody to nothing, whatever it was, nothing to nobody. And yeah. he thought he was going to be funny, and he thought it was it was going to go through. So he wound up getting in trouble for that. There was the other girl. Who said, you know, she's on a plane. She yeah. she has on the uh, the Arabic garb, and she, she plays the song. I'm on a I'm on a plane, screaming Allah Akbar, whatever. She mm -hmm. thought that was funny, and hers got taken down, and now she's on like a a, a list, like she's yeah. on a, a flight risk list, and she's not well, able she to fly. Does, this this is a, not fucking a, funny. Was, yeah, she was an Australian citizen, and Australia put her on a ban list. She's not able to fly internationally. I don't even know if she's able to fly. This is this is what veterans, you know, we we have a pretty shitty sense of humor. We have a pretty dark sense of humor. There's some guys who say, you know what, it's freedom of speech. Let them do whatever they're gonna do. Uh, I I'm one of those guys who just I, I I'm trying not to stress over this shit no more because there's some really fucked up people who got some really stupid ideas to do things. I understand what they're trying to do, but to me, I. I I'm just trying to stay out of it. I've had enough of my comment wars on Facebook, and I'm I'm tired of it all. People, yeah, are I, I get. I'm the same way. I get tired of the keyboard warriors. So this has been wonderful, Doc. I mean, you know how long this this video can go or our podcast could go, dude. Yeah. We we'd be in here all day telling sea stories and TikTok exactly. shit. But uh, we're gonna be closing this up, Doc. I greatly appreciate having you on. So. With closing, man, I want you to talk one more big time about this softball tournament that you got coming up in June and what it's going to be benefiting. Okay. Like Ryan said, I have a softball tournament coming up June 3rd, 4th, and 5th in Florence, South Carolina. Really quick, really quick, because I'm from Chicago, and we play 16-inch. What are you all going to be playing with down there? Uh, we play with 16. You, you're going to be doing the big, the big no yeah, glove? No, 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 no. 
Uh, we're doing a tw- it's like a twelve or thirteen inch softball. All right, it's twelve inch. All right, all right. Otherwise, it, it, I was gonna it, have to- it's it's traditional slow pitch softball. I was gonna have to send some uh, some of the Chicago Southsiders down there to show you all really how to play some softball. But y'all go ahead and keep your twelve inch. Uh, yeah. You, you you northerners don't know how to play. Y'all know how to play that frozen stuff. But like I was saying, it's June 3rd, 4th, and 5th in Florence, South Carolina. It is a 10-team, a, a three-game guarantee softball tournament. I am raising money to the organization Mission 22, which is to where can help you find Michigan. Uh, where, where can you find Mission 22 at? What uh, website? Mission22.com. Oh, yeah. I believe that. It's either .com or .org. You can just type into Google Mission 22 and it will pull up your, it'll pull up Mission 22. And one of the main reasons why I chose Mission 22, not only am I a Mission 22 survivor, but also I did a little bit of research into it. Mission 22 gives 65% of what is donated to them. 65% of that goes to helping the veterans. The other, what, 25% or 35%? I'm not a mathematician, but that's yeah. not correct. Yeah, <laughs> uh, 25 or 35%, that actually goes to their overhead to run their organization and everything like that. Unlike, and I'm not going to mention them, but there's other organizations that say that they help veterans. Yeah, but yeah I'll they, mention them. I don't give a shit. How about Wounded Warriors? There you go. Wounded Warriors, they take over sixty percent well, of what you donate to them. At one point, I think they're doing better now, but they done fucked up at one point. But I know you're you're with Mission Twenty Two, and I want to say uh, our dude Chad, right, for Battle Twenty Two. He I, he does I a lot for. He, I think he does a lot for Mission Twenty Two. Yeah, I want to say Chad. That's where I got my shirt. That's the long sleeve red. Yeah, we wear red on Friday shirt. Uh, my dude Chad, he's Battle Twenty Two. I think he does Battle Twenty Two on Instagram, Battle Twenty Two on Facebook, and Battle Twenty Two on TikTok. He, I think Chad has been Battle Twenty Two Three Six Five. Yeah, Three Six Five. That's right, Battle Twenty Two Three Six Five. I know he gives a lot to Mission Twenty Two. He's a good man. He's been on TV lately, from what I understand. Yeah, he uh, he had a rough go at it too, but. Doc, I greatly appreciate having you here on Article 15, man. If you haven't had an Article 15, are you really a sailor? Nope. (laughs) All right, brother, man. I greatly appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, we'll definitely be having words on, uh, on Sunday, okay? All right, brother. All right, brother. Have a good one, man.